and I won't sleep until he's in the ground. This is a very special show. To uh, well, everyone knows I'm trying to fill in the gaps of the skeleton crew. Anything that we went in franchise-wise or whatever, I am trying to fill in the blanks of anything that we didn't get to. So we're finished with the Chucky movies, and now that there's a new scream, there's a there's an empty space, and who better to fill it with me than the person who was there for all. Four scream reviews we already did. Jamie J- uh, 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 Sammons. What's up, Jamie? <laughs> Hello, horror fans. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to be here for a lot of reasons. One, filling in a gap. Two, I get to record with you again, and it's been a while. And three, I'm like the first guest on your show. Oh, yeah. Wow. And that's kind of a big deal. It's an honor. <laughs> no, it's an honor for me. Thank you for agreeing to do this. This is great. I guess this is your first uh, Scream 5 uh, recording, too, right? Yes. Yeah. This will be your first one, and then I guess from here you're going to evolve and change as you talk about it on future shows, but there's always that first. Yeah, and this is fresh. Like, I just got home after battling my way through the supermarket and wanting to punch people in the throat. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see a guy running around in a scream costume down the aisle? (laughs) I saw his reflection in the frozen food section. (laughs) And no one else saw him, right? No, no, no. It was like he was not even there. Amazing. We're going to give spoilers around the 37, 40-minute mark. We'll announce it then. So it's going to be spoiler-free up until then. Yeah, we're doing, uh, as everybody loves to say, Five Cream or Scream 2020. Uh, What do you think of that? Um, This whole new trend of just calling something the original name, regardless that it's the seventh one or twelfth one or fifth one? You know, at first I thought it was weird when, uh, I guess, was Halloween the first one to do it? I thought that was kind of odd, but then it's just become so common. Oh, no. The very first one that I can think of that did it was The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Right. Right. So that was a sequel, not a remake. uh, And uh, they had the same title and confused the hell out of everyone. So that's the first time I can remember anyone doing it. And it was kind of strange. And everyone thought it was a remake because of that. And then, you know, Halloween did it. And now, you know, it's 
there are a lot that have done it, and it's just kind of commonplace, I guess. Maybe that's the new trend. I guess so. Just like the requel is the new trend. Now, I, you know, we all knew what what they're talking about, but I never heard it called a requel. Did you? I have, and I think it was because of. I think it was in connection to this film. I can't be hundred percent sure. But I have heard the term before. I won't use it. But <laughs> but yeah. I've heard it because to me, even though it's a sequel, uh, you, you're still rebooting. You know, it, if if the way I look at it is, if a franchise has been dormant for a long time and then you come back, you're still essentially rebooting the franchise. You know, you're you're giving it a kickstart. Um, but there's a lot of conversation. Um, about because people use the term reboot and remake interchangeably a lot. I think they're very different. To me, right. a remake is a remake. I think that's very simple. And to me, a reboot is just as simple. Uh, it's just once something has been dead for a while, then they boot it back up. You know, and, and the best example is H two O, I guess, right? Yeah, that is. Yeah, and it was a very early example too. But it, it yeah, it uh, they just kick it back into gear. And uh, so I'm not going to use the term requel because I just don't think, I think it's unnecessary. But, you know, I, I mean, as a definition, it makes sense. Well, we have to use all these bud buzzwords they're coming up with now, like everyone's toxic, how every relationship is toxic. And, uh, oh, and the, uh, this movie is about toxic fandom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, elevated horror. Right. Which, yeah. well, uh, you know how I feel about that. I kind of wanted to set people on fire for that one, but... You know, it, there are those movies that fall into that category of, like, really smart... Like, just like in the 90s when horror became thriller, I guess the the thinker's horror became elevated, I guess. Yeah, but to me, the, the problem I have with it is not necessarily distinguishing horror that has depth versus horror that's just schlock uh, or just fun. You know, I don't have a problem with distinguishing that, but the problem that I have with that term comes when people act like it's a new thing, you know? Right, like it right. was just invented seven years ago, you know? And, right. you know, uh, tracking the films that, you know, were named in this movie, which are, of course, the same films that everyone names whenever they're talking about that. The Witch, Hereditary, It Follows, The Babadook. And they did not invent the thinking man's horror. Not by a long shot. So that's the part that irritates me about it, is acting like it's a new thing that horror never had brains before, which <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, yeah, it was uh, interesting to come to this uh, 10 years after part four, which I loved. And um, I wondered one thing that I've been looking around some posts and stuff and I don't No one has said this. And um, <clears throat> I'm not I'm not trying to start this off on a bad note. It's just something that occurred to me because I came home and we watched it was uh, me, my wife and our, uh, her cousin. Uh, a 23-year-old girl who who loves Scream. She thinks Scream 2 is the greatest thing in the world, and my wife thinks she sees Scream 1 like we see Halloween or Friday 13th, whichever one you define Friday 13th with. So she, see, she, she sees it on those levels, okay? We come home and watch Scream 1 and uh, 4, because that's the only ones I own. And something occurred to me while watching them. And uh, I guess... 
like a horror snob would uh, p- probably say this regardless if it was true or not. But tell me what you think, because I have not seen anyone share this thought. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it. I watched this movie, and the difference with this movie, and I guess it has to do with Wes Craven not directing, is it felt very different to me. It felt it felt smaller, and it felt more intimate, and it felt sort of like a regular horror movie. Whereas when we got home and put Scream One and Four on, they felt so big and grand and they felt like events they felt like like they're just on a grander scale i i'm wondering if it's my memory playing tricks on me you just saw this do you feel that this new movie pops and is lit and feels as like just the way it people do things i i'm totally thrilled about everyone's job on this there weren't any weak points that I could think of at the top of my head and I thought everybody did a good job and with what they were given they fleshed everything out as much as they could but did you feel that this was a big event while you were watching it in the same way they present it to you on all the other screams or did you feel that this was a smaller more intimate uh, portrayal of this franchise? I do definitely agree with the smaller more intimate part as far as it being you know like a grand event no i don't i didn't really feel that right and you did feel it on scream four right i don't remember i haven't seen that movie in a long time (laughs) well i did i just watched it and it, it felt like black and white to me almost like wow yeah this new movie didn't come off like this major spectacle i mean i guess i can see that i mean i see what you mean and, yeah, I can agree with that. I think I can agree with it, particularly versus the first one. Because, like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen the fourth one. But definitely versus the first one. This one just felt different to me on several levels. Because this one was basically celebrating Scream itself as a franchise even though they don't name check it because they're living it but they constantly are referencing stab and the stab franchise which you know is like a wink wink and a nod you know we're because they're saying scream they're yeah i mean what they're really talking about is scream right and so it, it kind of feels separated because of that you know, because within this, they're actually referencing a film series that is based on this. So that's something that they've never really done before. I mean, we knew that Stab was a thing, you know, and it was present in the other films. But this one they laid heavily on, you know. And uh, like, for instance, the trivia questions were all about Stab, not real movies. You know, so... That was that was different. Yeah, and they go heavy on the whole. Th- we all know the third act and that kind of stuff. They they really uh, push that kind of stuff. So, like we said, this movie, you know, the the original movie just talked about you know Halloween, Psycho, Friday Thirteenth, all that stuff, and that's what that was all about. Then, as we progress, probably around Scream Four, because I try, I basically forgot the next two, but Scream Four was all about remakes, and now this is all about. The new trend in Hollywood in general, 
think about it. Like, this is the Cobra Kai of horror. You know, Halloween is, and this is. Like, having Daniel LaRusso and Johnny with all these new kids and bringing it all together and, you know, bringing them back and forth and making it so we move on with new, even the new Say by the Bell reboot. We move on with the with new a new cast, but we also have, you know, the new buzzword here is the legacy characters. Right, right. And Cobra Kai is a really good example because it does the same thing in that the original characters are there and they're present. And, you know, I guess more more so in Cobra Kai, they're they're present. But at the same time, there are big chunks of Cobra Kai that focuses solely on the new kids. And that's pretty much what this did. And honestly, I liked that. I liked the fact that this film, that we had our three OG characters there, but it was well into the movie before you saw any of them. And and I was like, okay, I like I'm on board with that. As a matter of fact, when we're in the theater, I turned to Brian and I'm like, we have seen hide nor hair of any of them yet, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, and then the very next scene, no kidding, the very next scene is when <laughs> uh, they introduced one of the characters, and I'm like, do we probably right? Yeah, and, and I was like, well, there we go. And like as soon as I got it out of my mouth, then we go to, and I'm like, well, shit, I, I just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's funny. It's like. You could argue that that's what they always do. They always bring back this cast who won't die, and they always have a new cast of people with them. You could you could argue that that always happens. That's true. Yeah, but didn't it feel different here? It felt yeah. like the Cobra Kai thing. It felt like the Child's Play TV show. It felt like Halloween. You know, it it felt more like that than it ever did before. You know, uh, for sure, because they weren't central to the plot and to what was happening and things, you know, happened to them. They participated, but it wasn't all about them. And that I, I thought was a nice thing. And that's partially because I'm not a fan of the Sydney Prescott character. Right. Most people know that she just irritates me, but she, she didn't actually irritate me in this film. So that's good. You know, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe, um, I don't know, maybe cause she's more mature and, and I don't know, but old Sydney, I was never a fan. And, and I mean, it's not that she was a bad final girl or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. She just irritated me all the time. Just irritated. And, um, yeah, this, she didn't do that here. So that's good. Like, it's weird. Sydney's like that weird final girl where we think we care and, and we were, oh, look, she's back. Great. The main person's there. Great. But... Do you really ever get that major investment feeling? Do you really ever get those chills that you feel when you're watching your real favorite people? I mean, a lot of people do. So yeah, you, oh, really? you no. just pissed off a whole bunch of Scream fans <laughs> by saying that. And you know what? That's fine with me. Um, <laughs> because one thing that they, they that they did address in this film was the, the, you know, how many people, like this was their gateway to horror. And it's almost like an entire generation was introduced to horror by this film. It was. And to me, that's just weird, you know, because for my generation we all have different entrance points you know we all have different movies that affected us and this whole generation seems to rest solely 
on Scream. And obviously that's a generalization and everyone is not that way, but that's just the way, that's the way the film portrays it. And I know a lot of people who actually, you know, that it fits. Well, you know what it was? Um, For people around that teenage age, they probably didn't think or care much about horror. And then all of a sudden they heard this new fresh thing is coming out and it's it's like a horror movie but it's not you gotta see it it's crazy and it has all these famous people in it and it's this big deal and it's the guy who made Nightmare on Elm Street uh, you know oh yeah 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 sure I know Freddy Krueger yeah I know that guy you know one two yeah, yeah okay and then everyone's talking about it the scream mask is everywhere yeah. it's like the biggest pop culture it's like MTV stuff you know MTV generation it is that's why it was perfect that it was on that channel even though that didn't work out, but... Uh. <laughs> well, and it it does make sense with the timing, because if you think about when the original Scream came out, it was 1996, and we had had a dearth of horror films in the early 90s. It was... And you even... You mentioned that earlier when you were talking about thrillers, and... Now, there were, there were horror films that came out, and there were some really good ones, but there, it's not like the glut that we had in the 80s. It's not like the ones that we had in the 70s that came along and changed the game like Texas Chainsaw. But this, this one, like there was just a lull almost, and no one wanted to make horror films, particularly slashers. Slashers had, you know, in the 80s, it was like two or three a weekend. It was just bam, 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 bam. Slashers constantly. And then, you know, when we hit the 90s, the slasher was kind of dying. And Scream did bring that back. Like, I give them full credit for... I give them full credit for reinvigorating the slasher subgenre. Right. I guess you're right. It, 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 it kind of falls in line with people that age... And it kind of makes sense that they would be introduced to horror by this film because there weren't really that many other films to introduce them at the time. No, nothing. For years. I mean, yeah. so that works. It's just bizarre. Well, what what's strange about it is that the, the point of Scream and what the whole reference is is things that if you're introduced to horror here, how does it make any sense? Because you don't even know what they're talking about. Well, that's true, but it does give them a list of things to go back and watch uh, based on references that were made in the first film. It's definitely interesting how it all happened and how it was definitely the right movie at the right time. Absolutely. And and it keeps trying, it keeps, it set itself such a standard that the sequels have so much to live up to. And the one that fell flat on his face is obviously three, but... You know, two tried to continue this, and then four said, "Well, we have a new a new angle here with these remakes, so let's go ahead with we have some, you know, interesting things to do with that." And then for ten years, they just I don't know, maybe they couldn't get the cast to want to do anything else. But supposedly, this is a reboot through and through because supposedly this is a trilogy. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I did not know that. Right, I didn't either. Just like I didn't know that. Uh, apparently Kirby is still alive. I saw one person post and go, wow, I didn't know Kirby was still alive. I guess she survived Scream 4. And I was like, oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> Somebody must have said something about it. Yeah, I have actually heard that uh, rolling around. I didn't know if it was anything more than a theory. Um, and I didn't really dig into it. Um, I'm not... Um, 
I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those people that dissects trailers and like, you don't even watch trailers. I know, but I do. I, I watch trailers. I look forward to trailers. I get really excited about trailers. Um, and, but I'll watch them and then I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm pumped for the movie or whatever. But I don't like go frame by frame. Oh yeah, I know. And try to figure out the whole movie. Right. Yeah. You know, because no, for one, I want to experience the movie as it's intended and it, I don't really, and also I just don't have the time for that. Nor do I really care to do it. Like I just, no, nah. I don't care. You know, you like, want a little, you want a little taste of what am I in store for? Okay, good. Then yeah. either way, I'm going to see it. But whatever. There we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, like I was, I was excited when this trailer came out, and once I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah. Like one thing that really excited me from the trailer was the lock unlock thing uh, from oh, yeah. the the opening. I thought that that was a very clever way to introduce new technology because that's something they've always done in the Scream franchise is they have kind of pulled from technology in four, you know, we had podcasters and, and so those camera on their heads. and stuff. Yeah. So they've always done that. And I appreciated the fact that there was something else they could bring in and it was suspenseful. It added something to it. It wasn't just thrown in there to be, thrown in there it i think that they use it effectively yeah except that she had a landline which i was like what's that <laughs> <laughs> well i did think that was kind of odd because most people just don't like unless you live with your grandparents <laughs> right. um because people her age their parents wouldn't which would be me you know we don't have a landline she's 19 her parents yeah are me right 40 years old right so it's like it's weird <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to get to the plot and definitely spoilers. We're trying to keep it spoiler-free. It's been a pretty long time we've been doing that. Uh, I'll just say a couple things before we really get into it. So I was in the theater. Now, this was um, January 15th, which I think is the opening date, and nobody was in that movie theater. We had one other couple. Right. And it's not streaming anywhere, and everyone's going like, what are you, insane? You're in the middle of a pandemic. What idiot would just release this in theaters and nowhere else? It's not, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. Um, I guess the idea is that if people will eventually just break down and go to the theater and see it. <laughs> well, other movies have made money in the theater. And I guess they figure if you're going to go, then uh, or if you want to see it bad enough, you'll go. And there are a lot of people who wanted to see this movie. It just so happens they weren't at the showing I went to. (laughs) (laughs) Or me, mine. And the other, I guess, opening opening statement is like, I don't know about you, but this movie um, didn't, not only did it seem smaller and intimate, but it didn't have that same humor that pops as the other ones to me. Now, the, the only place I got humor, really, was The Boyfriend. And that is it? I, I can't think of much more humor. And even in Scream 4, you would laugh at the kills. Like that that agent or whatever she was that Sydney fired when she got thrown off the roof after he says, we have everything under control. And then a body comes flying off the top of the building. Like... That was hilarious and stuff. And you don't even have that. Again, it didn't seem like a grand spectacle. It just seemed like a regular horror movie to me. I don't know. But 
I mean, I don't even know if I should put as that as a strike against it because is that a necessary? I mean, does every scream have to feel like, like it's on a grand stage? Or, you know, because the way you direct it makes things bigger or smaller. And, and I'm sure they study these. There, I mean, there's two directors on this movie, and I'm sure they study studied the older movies and knew what makes it that way. And if they wanted to imitate it, they could have. Maybe they wanted it. Because, you, you know, Halloween 2018 doesn't feel big to me at all. And you would think that they'd want it to, but it doesn't. So, yeah, this this whole thing was a huge, you know, nod to Wes Craven. They even named a guy Wes. Well, that was what I thought was interesting, too, is what I noticed. There were a lot of references that basically, like I said earlier, lead back to Scream, even though they're referencing Stab. Uh, <clears throat> there were fewer references to other films, whereas Wes Craven, when he was directing any of the Scream films, his were just full of references to other horror films and other horror franchises. Now, this one did name check like uh, Jason Voorhees Psycho, and Psycho Jason, and things like Michael. that. Yeah. But I don't feel that it was as strong. I feel like they meant they spent the most of their time referencing their own series, which is different. You know, uh, not bad, just different. So there were a lot of things about it that did feel different to me. Uh, another thing was the brutality. And that's something I really did like, was these kills were vicious. See, I see people going back and forth about that, too, because that's what was said. And then other people are like, no, this is just like all the other ones. Um, the one I could cite that would be different, I guess, is the when he stabs Wes in the throat. That's definitely more brutal than what you normally see. But um, as far as the other ones, are they much more elevated than anything else because you gotta remember the, remember that one room looked like the Friday 13th part 6 cabin after he killed that girl and yeah. the girl off the roof and there were some pretty brutal things in the past there were but like in this one we got at least two that I can think of where the stabbing was just like just step 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 I mean you know just really vicious just quick stabs but just repeatedly like they're just mashing them to a pulp and I feel like a lot a lot of the kills in the former ones were just like oh I'll stab you here and now there were some that were more brutal like the Casey in the opening kill it was pretty brutal and so I'm not saying they didn't have that I just felt like here there was a viciousness uh, almost like a, it was mean spirited to me it just felt um, a little more visceral yeah, yeah exactly <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, so for the cast, um, something I didn't take umbrage with, they have two Latinas as the leads here. <laughs> Jenna yeah, Ortega. I thought they were great. <laughs> yeah, and Melissa Barrera. They were great. It was actually refreshing to see them as the leads in these movies. Because, I mean, of course, that's where we're all going with this. You know, people will get into the political thing. Oh, you have to have a lesbian in here. You have to have multiracial casts and everything. But it is weird that you never have these things all that often 
I was happy to see these two girls as the leads. Oh, for sure. Uh, speaking of that, did you get the trailer for the new J-Lo romantic comedy? <laughs> yeah, in this, right? Why would that be in this movie? Brian turned to me. He's like, make sure you tell Alex about that. And I'm like, well, I'm sure he saw it. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about that? Um, I've been avoiding that trailer because every single plot point of Marry Me is in this trailer, which is the main reason I stopped watching trailers like 10, 15 years ago. I avoid it once I noticed that was happening. Uh, Because her movies, I don't really care if I get spoiled all that much. Like, I don't feel like... Yeah, it's not a mystery. Right, right. So it's like, yeah, what could they really ruin here? So I'll watch them, and all of a sudden I'm watching this, and within like 40 seconds, I'm like... I know everything is going to happen here. What's, what is this? So, and then if you see comments, they're like, well, damn, I just watched the whole movie in 90 seconds. Thanks for saving me, you know, 20 bucks and uh, three hours or whatever. Yeah, but people said the same thing about Halloween Kills, and that was not true. Well, it was misleading, right? We, yeah, we've had our, a, a good trailer cutter knows how to do it, and they don't all, unfortunately, it's not always like that. But um, one of the, I have two in particular that kind of irritated me um, in the past. One was The Conjuring. Um, the whole clap clap thing was in the trailer. I'm like, well, shit, that would have been a great scare if I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> right, right. The other thing claps, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, Don't Breathe. They gave away the girl in the basement, you know, in the, in the fucking trailer. And I'm like, well, shit, like, that would have been a nice reveal if I didn't know about it. You know, most of the time it doesn't bother me. And when I saw Halloween Kills, I mean, because that one, and, and I name-checked that one because that trailer started a shitstorm uh, just all over the internet. And I was like, oh, have a little faith, you know, have a little faith, God. And I know that, like, we've had a conversation about this, and you just don't want to know anything, like anything at all. Well, yeah, I didn't know Loomis would be there or anything like that. Yeah, so. and that's fine. But I do feel like um, for people who said, well, I just, after they watched the Halloween Kills trailer, and they were like, oh, I just watched the whole movie. Like, But then you watch the movie, and it's like, no, you didn't. It's not true, right? Yeah, it's not true at all. Now, you do know things that maybe you, if you don't want to know anything at all, then that's understandable. But um, as far as spoiling the movie, uh, you know, overall, it it didn't, you know, so. Well, I noticed, I forget, you know, maybe I shouldn't really do that anyway, because I feel like I forget most of uh, the trailer when I go, by the time I go see the movie, I know, like, yeah, I watched the trailer, but I don't remember anything that's going to happen in this movie. So let's enjoy, you know, like it's usually that's the case. Like, um, I mean, especially when they drop them super early. Right. You know, by the time it gets to the actual movie release. Like like Batman, I I just watched it yesterday and I still don't think I remember a single thing. I I have no idea what's going to happen in the new Batman movie. Yeah. What it depends what it is. That's all. Like if I, even if I'm not going to watch the movie, I'll definitely watch the trailer, sure. Of course. You know, like, or if I, it might convince me to watch it. Well, yeah, too. that was a, yeah. maybe you're on the fence about it. Maybe you're like, uh, like, I might be interested. Let me see. Yeah. And Let me see, uh, right. That being said, I think this trailer was a really good one. Or actually, all of the trailers I've seen for this film, I think, did a really good job of not telling you anything. You know, because the trailers focused a lot on the old characters. And they did, right? And they, I think they, that's kind of, like, deceiving, really. I think they did that so fans actually watch this. Like, because they don't, maybe they don't believe that people 
will go for the new cast. And they, at this point, they might not. You know, like, I mean, there's... How many movies have we had already? And you keep letting these same people survive. And we always said, if they're going to have another movie, they better start killing these people. Yeah, okay, so if you want to know if we recommend it, yeah, sure, of course. I mean, well, I do, I mean. I do. I'm sure, yeah, Jamie does. Um, If you're a Scream fan, if you saw the first four, yeah, this isn't a horrible movie or anything. Uh, People definitely have opinions about liking this or liking that and maybe they didn't like one aspect or maybe whatever but i've heard nothing but generally positive reviews yeah every review i've watched about this film leading up to me going to see it myself has been straight up positive almost like unbelievably positive you know eights nines i have not seen one negative review and honestly like I'm okay. I agree with that. Like, I I think it's definitely worth your time. Um, if I were doing a number rating, because you know I do Netflix ratings, well, just like you do. Yeah, I do that. I would land on a four with this. Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's definitely um, definitely better than three. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know how it sits against four because I haven't seen it recently. I'd say it's probably right up there with two for me. Yeah, I forgot what you thought about. For I actually listened to our review um, with Duncan on it the other last night uh, after I watched four and I was in a scream mode so I was laying in bed and I couldn't go to sleep so I put it on and I put it next to me as like well let's hear what I we said about it before I go do my new review so um, I made fun of it quite a bit yeah I didn't get as far as your rating or anything I fell asleep but um, well truth be told from the time that we've seen it or we rec- that we covered it until now i have watched it at least one more time since then and (laughs) one time in seven years yeah uh, i have come up on it from the last time now the first time we talked about it i know i made fun of the fact that she's like oh i'm a real horror fan because i have a copy of suspiria oh yeah yeah, that was your thing and i still make that joke today you know like if somebody's like you know i'm a real horror fan i'm like well do you have a copy of suspiria you know because that is apparently the litmus test as to whether or not you are a true horror fan which is just i'm just saying that to be uh, it's just a joke no it's funny it's it's one of the better jokes we came up with or you came up with i guess uh on our show (laughs) but i when i watched it again i did grow an appreciation for it more and i do now or at least I don't remember a whole lot of detail about it because, like I said, it's been a while. But I do, I, I do remember that I liked it more than I did the first time. So, we both love Emma Roberts, right? Yeah, 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 and uh, Kirby. Yeah, Kirby. Well, except for her hair. Yeah, I am. Um, I was never a fan of her hair in that film, but you know. No, I would. That movie would go up a point if she had long hair. <laughs> <laughs> like that's literally the only. Thing I change about it really. You know, I've seen a lot of people recently giving a lot of love to Scream Three, almost making excuses for it. Oh come on, who Adam Marcus? I'm just. So- <laughs> <laughs> He's going to go defend other ones now. I'm saying, yeah, right. I'm. I just. I just can't. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that anything is going to make me feel better about that film. Now, there are things about it that I that I find enjoyable. But overall, I just don't think it's good. It's you know? infamous on this show. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, him throwing up at the end is actually the perfect end to that. Because 
that is what I felt. That's the it's his rating. I think he said that's his rating. <laughs> so that was actually perfect. So I'm like, yeah, me too. I gotta throw up, I guess, because like it it was torture. Like you know, video commentaries are supposed to be the most fun way to watch something, and we were like, oh my god, is this still on? Right? Why is this still going? <laughs> Ugh, Jesus. <laughs> and then I was apologizing by like the seventy minute mark. I'm like, gee guys, I had no idea that this was the longest one. I never would have died. Like, I don't even know why I said, hey, let's do something new. Let's do a video commentary on one of the reviews of the retrospective. Nobody's ever done that before. I said, let's do that. And I, why did I pick this one? I'm like, oh, my God. That just shows you I, I, never, I barely ever watched it. So I figured, eh, just Scream 3, how bad could it be? Yeah, it's pretty bad. That was eye-opening. Yeah, at this point, uh, yeah, so we recommend it. Go watch it. So now I'm not going to worry about spoilers. If I happen to say something or Jamie, it, it's it's off limits. So now we're going to get into spoilers. This whole, you know how I feel. I, you have an idea what I think about stuff where, oh, in this movie, this is the guy who's cousins with this guy. And this one's his uncle. And it's like, oh, gee, holy shit. How are they all related to someone? And that's a quinky dink and this and that. So in this movie, they, they do the same shit where it's okay that, that the two lead girls, um, despite being Hispanic, are Billy Loomis's kids. I guess the mom is or whatever. That we don't know that. I think it's just the older sister. Oh, yeah, right. Right. But, yeah, but it's where they have two different – I guess both dads could have been white. I don't have, I have no idea. But either way, they look like they do, and, and I guess the mom must be Spanish for, for obvious reasons. So, so that's, that's fine. That that's the situation with her. But where it falls apart for me, and it doesn't really, this didn't really bother me until I, you know, got home and started talking to the people I was watching it with. And I'm like, isn't it kind of odd, though, that the the niece or whatever, the black girl is the niece of Randy. She is also a trivia nerd, and she happens to be in this group of friends as well. And Along with Judy's son. Along with Judy's son, along with they are interacting with Stu's cousin or something, whoever that guy was by the bar pissing against the wall that got hit by the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's related to something. And you are also, you happen to be friends with the fucking girl whose parents happen to buy Stu's house. And nobody knows this. Nobody seems like they're saying, oh, wow, someone's killing with a ghost face mask. And that's so weird that your parents bought that house that it all happened in. Like, no one says this as if no one knows that that is the house that they did it in. Yeah. I mean, the explanation I have for them all being, um, knowing each other, being friends is small town. Well, that would also mean that they would know that house. Right. You know, uh, so that same small town would know everything that ever happened. And don't tell me you're going to grow up in a town where all of this stuff has happened and you're not going to know all this stuff about it. No, you know, you know, you know. So, yeah, they're twins. And that girl is a trivia expert, just like Randy. Do you not hate that kind of stuff? Like, I don't like that stuff. When, I'm like, just sick of that character. To be straight up, to be 100% straight up, I'm sick of that character. After Kirby, it should have been done with. 
Um, and this is what I said to Brian. I was like, you know, I was really enjoying this film, partially because it wasn't focusing on the older characters. They weren't even there for a good chunk of the beginning. And I was fine with that. You know, I liked the fact that it was really bloody and really brutal, and I was on board with that. And it felt like I was watching, you know, just a, a cool slasher. And I was into it until we get to the point where they remind me what irritates me about it. And it is, I am so up to my neck with Meta. I'm just, I, and I know that's their thing. I know that's what they do. You can't they really, have to do it. You can't really get away with that. Uh, get away from that with a with a scream film. I get that, but then I was just like, ugh, like, and it's, and you do the same thing where the killers are like spending twenty minutes talking about what their, you know, their plan is, and I'm just like, oh my god, I fucking don't care, you know, and and it also led me back to Scream Two, where they met on the internet, you know, Debbie Salt and Timothy Oliphant met on the internet. Well, then these guys met in a stab subreddit, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Well, here's a here's the thing. Okay, I guess we'll jump to that. You know, we'll go back, guys. Trust me. But, okay, so we should address this. Okay. So everything's fine. Everything's great. And <clears throat> the thing is, so we get to the third act. And at the time, I was really just taking it in. I'm watching, I'm like, wow, that's cool, they're back in the house, because I didn't realize that. They, didn't, they were zoomed in enough, and you got, the, you got the colored lights, and the spinning lights, and the room's black, and it's filled with people. I didn't realize it was in that house. I'm dumb, I don't know. So I realized it, uh, probably not even before anybody said it. So they, they talk about, basically, the whole movie, the point they're driving, is how, you know, the meta, 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 this is what they do wrong. This is what people expect all the time. They even go as far as to tell you who the killer is right away when Dewey's saying that the boyfriend, your boyfriend's probably the killer because the, the new love interest. Like, they're taking it that far. Even on the poster, they said the killer is on this poster. So they do all that as if they're above it. Yet, they just stick right to the formula to the point where the end thing after the reveal which we'll get into how we felt about that but let's just get to what they actually did the whole situation standing in the fucking kitchen i feel like it's the texas chainsaw massacre thing with the the dinner scenes and the grandfathers <laughs> like I've, it's becoming that like so they're standing in the kitchen they they go through the whole spiel exactly like Stu and billy and they do it on purpose but the problem here is that Okay, I'm glad you think you're doing it on purpose so it is what it is and you're, you know, going back to the roots and all that. But we just did that in the last movie. Like, they're talking about how the sequels shit on the this and that. And they're going to make it right because Stab 8 fucked everything up. But do they not know after watching all these movies that the killers always do the same James Bond mistake of explaining instead of just fucking killing these people like you thought this girl had the right idea because she walks out of the door and just shoot she makes like she's hurt and she's like ah fuck it. and she shoots Gail and then just walks in I guess walks back in the house when the when uh, what's her name shooting back at her and keeps missing um, I guess she didn't do the Jamie Lee Curtis thing where she became like Sarah Connor and she just <laughs> shoots dummies in the backyard or whatever because she's a horrible shot 
we get to that, and then they they proceed to do all the same shit, and it's exactly the same scream formula as if they felt we have to play it safe and stick so close to what people like because otherwise it won't be a scream movie. And for that, I'm not saying it suffers or it made it not good. I gave it a four out of five. It's it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, God, why why are you just doing what we just did in Scream Four? Yeah, I I'm I agree with that. And yeah, I also gave it a high score, but I did have that same issue. It's the same thing. You know, I'm just <laughs> watching the same thing all over again. I thought it would have been interesting if they had shaken up the two killer thing, you know, um, maybe play against type. Give us something. Now, in Scream 3, they did only have um, they did only have one and that was not a good movie. But um, but this is almost beat for beat uh, in a lot of ways. You know, as far as like when it comes down to the reveal and then now we're going to tell you why and now we're going to tell you our plan and now we're going to tell, you know, and I'm just like, oh, man, we've done this so many times, you know, right? like what what does Sydney think when she's standing there and they cut the scene and she's like getting ready for the next scene? Like, does she feel like, God, I feel like I filmed this like she even said in the movie, I've seen this movie before. (laughs) And they're like, not this movie. And I'm like, yeah, you kind of have. Yeah. Yeah, it's this movie. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm right. it's this one. Even in the same house. <laughs> right. Like, they even go to the same, like, they went that far to do the fan service thing, I guess. And it's like, I do appreciate the part where it is that house because it, it, it is awesome to be back there. But then you get to like these weird moments where like the guy's on the couch and he's like, come on, turn around, turn around. And then the girl's doing it, which is cool because now it's like three times over. Right. He's doing it to Halloween. She's doing it to him and it's happening to her. So that's interesting. Sure. And they did do something with that that I thought was nice is that she actually did turn around. You know, which, uh, you know, Jamie didn't do and Jamie didn't do. And now she did. And I thought that was cool. They did. They played with several tropes that I thought was nice, you know, as far as like closing the refrigerator door or, you know. Well, they did that throughout the whole movie, though. But that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and, and I've heard a lot of people giving it like a lot of praise for that because it's like, oh, you don't know when things are really going to happen <laughs> because they keep doing that. And that's true. But you kind of, after a while, you kind of expect that nothing's going to happen. You know, the music swells with, um, with West. They did it a couple times. Like the music swells as he's standing in front of the refrigerator door. And then, so I'm sitting there going, well, nothing's going to be back there. Right. You know, and nothing was back there. So did you get me? No, you didn't get me because I knew what you were doing. Right. It doesn't count anymore. Uh, one thing I did really like, uh, speaking of Wes, is um, when his when Judy comes home and he's like, what's for dinner? And she's like, oh, sushi, I'm going to go pick it up. I turn to Brian and I'm like, it would have been really funny if she had said lemon bars. And then, you know, later he goes up and takes a shower and then he comes downstairs and there's a note on the fridge that says lemon bars in the fridge. And I was like, ha ha. Yeah, like, yeah, lemon squares in the fridge and they taste like ass. And uh, I thought that was really funny. Um, I'm glad they I'm glad they referenced that because I thought it would have been a missed opportunity if they didn't, just because that was pretty much her only thing. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, you know. yeah. But that's that's the thing about her, though. Like that character 
is super toned down. Like, she's not... At, don't forget who she is. She's that fucking creep in the hallway when Sydney comes out of the room and she's standing in the dark. And she's talking about how she was in Sydney's cl- biology class or whatever the fuck. And she used to watch her, uh, like, school plays or whatever the fuck. Like, it was, like, the weirdest shit. Like, she was obsessed with she Sydney. She was obsessed, yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I did think of natural progressions. Like, like we knew that, you know, Dewey and, and Gail were going to break up or whatever. Um Probably just because they did in real life or whatever the hell. I got, I f- yeah, he says here that they, I guess he had moved to New York with her right, right. at one point, And then he just left um, one day and then and went back to Woodsboro to live in a trailer. The natural, prog- right, the natural progression would have been he end up with Judy. Because Judy has no husband that anyone sees or knows of. He goes to nothing in a trailer. Why not the natural progression? She was kind of way into him. If you're going to bring her back, why not just have them two together? That way we can at least feel like part four led somewhere. That's actually an interesting take that I hadn't considered, but it would also have added some interesting... Or dynamics. Yeah, yeah, to, uh, to Gail coming back, you know. It would have been, of course, maybe that was just, you know, movie's already two hours long. Maybe they didn't want to make it even more complicated, but. Right, right. But yeah, it would be nice to see that these other events led somewhere, though, at least. Like, why have her look like she keeps trying to cock block Gail for no reason 10 years later? Yeah. I just feel like you have something, use it. That's, that's all I think. But again, it don't matter. The guy's in a trailer. He's all bummed out. He's in a bottle, whatever. So to go back to the opening of the movie, though, so they do the same old uh, gag with the phone and, you know, what's your favorite movie and all that. So <clears throat> so the one thing, obviously, I like Jenna Ortega. So I was bummed out that she was killed. And I was like, damn, why did she have to get killed right away? Right. So because, you know, I didn't see the trailer, I guess. So how the fuck was she not killed? Like, I'm watching this. I'm like, well, I guess she's dead. No. Somehow, all seven six-inch deep stab wounds did not hit a fucking organ. That's all? That's the only way you die now? (laughs) What about all the blood loss or the fact that she's 96 pounds or anything? Like, how is she alive? Yeah, I thought that was a bit of a stretch. So, you got Tara and Sam, the two sisters... Um, Sam's the child of Billy Loomis and they do this thing where Billy Loomis is they bring him back for the movie which is cool and he's talking to her in like rear view mirrors and stuff like that like obviously it's all in her head and this is something everybody seems to know about it's been going on and she's on medication for it but I guess it's not working or she's not taking it I don't know I did think it's weird that we are led to believe that basically her seeing this guy is the red herring. And we're supposed to think, well, maybe she is crazy. And maybe she is doing this and blah, blah, blah. And she is the son of Billy Loomis. So the typical thing would be, oh, wow, he he's crazy and he gave birth and now the daughter's crazy. Oh, gee. So that seems stupid. So it's good that they didn't do that. However, as this movie progresses... He suddenly becomes like a Mr. Miyagi character right. or something. Like almost heroic. 
Right, like, hey, look over there. There's a knife on there. Like, what the fuck? What? Yeah, and he gives her a nod in the mirror, like, yeah, you know, go for it, you know. And she's like, don't fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. I'm like, that's not something to be proud of. Like, (laughs) He's guiding her to victory. He was a fucking psycho. And, um... (laughs) I, and now, and you're right, like, I, as we got to the end of the movie, I'm like, he's like a mentor. It's like, is this Dexter? What's happening? <laughs> like, why What's is happening? he, what is this? It's almost like the, the end of J, uh, Friday 13th Part 7, where they made the dad the hero, because he pulls Jason in the lake at the end. Right. Why? He beat the shit out of his wife, and he was a horrible dad, blah, blah, now he, you're, we're making him a hero? Like, that's his character arc? Like, seriously? So, so now Billy, yeah. Like, instead of being this taunting voice that gets her to snap and kill, now he is what we said. Like, and I'm lost. I, I don't. I don't understand. No, and, and yeah, I don't want him to have redemption. Like, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have redemption. There is no. Re- and also, it's not like he's alive. So it's not like he's a changed person. You know, right. He's fucking dead. You know, and of course, I guess since it's in her head, then she is projecting these things from him. But she, I don't know, she seems to embrace that fact rather quickly and with no difficulty. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be angry every time you see him, remember? Now all of a sudden you're going to, like, listen to the advice he has to give? Uh, so, oh, wait, you're saying something positive? Oh, okay. Now, here's my question. Did, did the killers surprise you at all? When the three of them came back in the house, I instantly thought it was her because... Yeah. Yeah, like that, for some reason, that was obvious. I honestly was settled on her, like, 100%. And from early on, I just, there was something about her. One, I didn't like her. Like, I just didn't like the character. But apart from that, I was just like, you know how she was almost, like, bulldogish over Tara? And I'm like, okay, well, she's the killer. And then, um, and then I knew it was Richie too. They pretty much told you. And like one thing you can learn is whatever they tell you, like, listen, cause they're not lying, you know? And I knew it was him too. I didn't want it to be him because I liked him. Like I did, I really enjoyed Jack Quaid's character. In yeah, this. he was funny. And I didn't want it to be him, but I knew it was. Usually that humor is like eye rolly, but he delivered it really well. And he had a good um, vibe to him, and definitely a believable one. And I think they fell into the psycho trap when Marion beeps the horn, and you saw Mother in the window, and like way too soon does Norman come running out of the front door, mm-hmm. and they you know want to mislead you really bad. They did that here, and it doesn't make sense on rewatch because why is he watching and studying the stab movies at this point? When no one knows it. Like, they had to ask him, what were you doing? And he goes, oh, I was watching Stab. Like, he didn't have to really watch Stab because no one knew. And then he's sitting alone in that apartment or wherever, I forgot wherever they were, in the bed. And he's watching that, the Dead Meat podcast or whatever, do the... Oh, yeah, yeah. The review of Stab 8. Like, just call it 8. No, you're not fooling anybody. Why just call it Stab? And, you know, for the nod to this one. And... Why are you watching that if if you really are the killer? Like, what would be the point of that? You must have seen all this shit already. You're- the only thing I can think is that it was just his obsession, like his own obsession. And obviously it was put there to attempt to mislead the audience. 
Right. <clears throat> I just don't think it worked. I don't think it was successful. Because, like, if you're constantly putting something in my face, there's a reason for it. You know? And it, that's the unfortunate thing is I wanted, to, I wanted to get to the end and I wanted to be wrong. I wanted them to pull out something that I wasn't expecting. It's really unfortunate that they didn't do that. <laughs> well, okay, let's say that somebody was fooled and they really bought into the, oh, yeah, because, you know, Jason Voorhees, that's a guy with a good idea. And you don't think I'm staying here to get killed, do you? I'm going with you guys and all that stuff. And uh, how about one, two, three, fuck no way address and all that other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you really bought into that. Let's say it is a total stretch that... This girl's one inhaler happens to be at this one fucking house that, again, no one knows is a scream house. Um, even though your uncle or dad is Billy Loomis, no one knows that that's where this is. And you're going to actually drive to this house to get a fucking inhaler. Okay, let's say that you believed all that was so far-fetched that there's no way he could be the killer. And then you're shocked. It's surprising, but is it impactful? Isn't doesn't it lack a lot? Doesn't once you see it, you're like, oh wow, I really did think he was not the killer, but gee, it's the boyfriend. That's not new, and then <laughs> it's not new. It's not you know. It's yeah, not new, right? And their motive, like we've seen this before. And then wait, wait, and then the other person. Is the girl we hardly even saw in this whole movie? Like, we saw her in the hospital in the beginning, in the schoolyard. Then we see him again in the hospital. And I think you don't see him again, right? Until the party. Isn't there a huge gap without these kids, except for Wes's kill? Uh, we see the meeting that they have when she pulls all the, she, you know, and Martha Meeks comes in. Um. And they're like, and, she, you know, she's, because she's their mom. And she comes in and she's like, oh, Dewey, it's so good to see you. And then um, then they kick her out. But it's like they pull everybody together for a meeting once they get Dewey involved and all the friends are there. So we see her there. Oh, right. But, yeah, there is um, there's a big gap where she's not involved. And I, I guess that's because she was running around killing people. I don't know. But yeah. to me, that just leads it more in the direction of it being her. But if you knew who she was, like, as an actress, the her getting set on fire in this movie is an homage to her big moment in something Hollywood with um, Leonardo DiCaprio and... Oh, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't even realize... And I've seen that movie a lot. It was my favorite movie of the of 2019, I think, is when that came out. Yeah, that's her. I didn't even realize that was the same person. <laughs> but... Um, I will say that I think they, they did like an actual fire stunt for this film. Um, because when she drops to the floor, you can kind of see it's a person wearing like a hood or something. And I was like, well, good on them for not going the digital route. Um, so I was impressed with that. And that was kind of a cool, that was kind of a cool kill. Um, well, almost kill, but no, I didn't realize, I didn't realize she was the same person from Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And it was freaky when she ran out all burnt up. That was, uh, that always creeps me out, like, that look people have after that. Um, well, and her face is, like, half melted, and, and, you know, that was pretty cool. 
It would have been an homage to uh, Wes Craven if she looked like Freddy Krueger when she ran out. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> like, here you go, Wes. <laughs> and she re- and somehow she's wearing a sweater because her clothes burnt up, so she grabbed a sweater <laughs> on the couch, and it was that shit. <laughs> I mean, hell, you did it with the fucking janitor. Why not, right? I mean, is this really a stretch here? <laughs> it can't be more of a stretch than the fucking inhaler gag. And, like, what if she said, um, no, it's okay. Let's just go. What was the backup plan of this guy? Like, would he go, uh... You know, we should talk to all your friends before we leave. You know, I guess that's what he would say, right? And they're probably all at this house. And meanwhile, he wouldn't know that because he lived somewhere totally different. He would have actually no way of getting them there in a legitimate way where it wouldn't be suspicious. Because he doesn't live anywhere near these people. He shouldn't know that house or those people. Yeah, that's true. Well, he even says at the end, like, he pulls out the inhaler. He's like, I can't believe this worked. And I'm and I'm over here going, yeah, neither can I. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, you saying it makes it okay. As long as you call attention to it. Then it's okay. Yeah, then it's okay. This preposterous plot device worked. So, what did you think of, like, when you talk about things that are so derivative in a bad way? Did you feel that way about Dewey sitting there and telling us the rules of surviving? Where you're like, ugh, don't tell me we're doing this. Or, Or was it still okay at that point? No, I don't. I am so sick of the rules. You know, I'm so sick of it. Mainly because the first scream, as fun as it was, and and yes, it did do. A, it did a lot. It, you know, it reinvigorated the slasher genre for better or for worse. A lot of people are mad at it because of that. You know, but I happen to enjoy '90s slashers. You know, there's they're very different from '80s slashers, and I can enjoy those too. Um, so I don't have a problem with it, and I don't blame it for anything. I actually, you know, give it a lot of credit for what it did. But it, at the same time, the, the rules that they lay out are so simplistic and wrong. Um, you know, like the whole, you know, you can't have sex. Well, that's bullshit. The whole, you know, the final girl has to be a virgin thing. It's a fun trope to think about, but then if you really know anything about slashers, it's not true. Like, one of the greatest uh, sequels uh, to Friday the 13th being Friday 2 the final girl actually has sex in that movie and well no I think she attempted to but then she was on her period so that doesn't mean it well that doesn't have to mean it so we've had this conversation (laughs) what you don't think that beware of bears meant she was on her period no I I absolutely think it meant she was on her period and that's what she was going to tell him beforehand when she's like there's something I need to tell you and then it cuts to him writing Beware of Bears, but I didn't get the impression it stopped them. Oh, God. What, is it, what do you think it's, uh, what's his name doing it? Uh, Ryan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, so what, man? Come on, just get a towel. At the very least, we know that she does have a sexual history. Right, with Paul, know? at least. Right. It's not like it's the first time they were ever going to do this, and yeah, she had her period, coincidentally. That it just that has always bothered me because I'm like, oh, like no, and I I tend to subscribe to what John Carpenter said when that was presented to him, and he's like, no, it's just that they're not distracted, they're paying attention, you know, <laughs> right? They they aren't wrapped up with somebody having sex or you know whatever, they're not blasted out of their mind, they're you know with alcohol or pot or whatever referring to uh that is what it is it's not that you're a bad kid and you get killed it's that you're fucked up and you're totally oblivious yeah well let's say a bunch of positives like i was totally engaged in this movie from beginning to end yes 
I didn't hate any of the characters. Nope. Well, I didn't like Amanda, but... Oh, right. You said the one, right. Um, okay, okay, the one I thought I didn't like, um, it was the white girl with the red hair. Like the reddish hair that Oh, died. the one that the the girlfriend of the twin brother? I can't remember what her name was, but yeah, I didn't really... Yeah, she was kind of a nothing character. Right. <clears throat> and a very weak-ass red herring that they kept trying to shove in your face. And I'm like, God, please, that girl's not smart enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, she, uh, she couldn't. If, if brains were dynamite, she wouldn't have enough to blow her nose. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about Dewey, because people are probably like, how the fuck are you not talking about this? Okay, so how do you feel about him saying, shoot him in the head? That's what everybody doesn't do, you gotta shoot so he goes, it's this big moment, he drops all the shells out, he reloads that gun, so you're thinking, okay, good, because, you know, I was thinking that you already shot six rounds, so yeah, okay. Look, they're doing that, they're covering that base, they're covering the base of shooting him, period. Uh, all this other stuff, he's walking up, how could this go wrong? Oh, good, the guy's still in the shelves, great. How could this go wrong? So he goes, he goes to shoot this fucking guy, or the girl, whoever it is at this point, I guess it's the girl, in the head, <clears throat> His phone goes off. The scream guy, girl, whatever, stabs Dewey. Does a pretty good ripping with the knife or whatever. You do believe that it, it probably will kill him and stuff. Yeah. And then they got the music. And then they have the moment where where he goes, it's an honor, which is cool. Then he drops to the floor and they have this great camera angle of Dewey on the floor and blood, the music, and then this, this ghost face standing looking at him, realizing what a monumental moment this is. Was it a tearjerker for you? Did you feel that moment? This is, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I love Dewey. I've always loved Dewey. But in that moment, it was relief. <laughs> um, not, relief that, not relief that Dewey was, well, yeah, no, it kind of was. Because I wanted them to go there. I wanted them to take out one of the main characters because I feel like they haven't had the balls to do it up to this point right. and I wanted to see it happen. And so when they did, I was like, fucking finally, you know, then I did actually shed some tears when we got Gail's reaction, when she was sitting in the lobby of the hospital. Right. You, you could see how it affected her. I did actually have a tear start rolling down and I was like, oh, that's really sad because it, her pain when she, uh, when they're rolling him, well, before that, even before she's sitting in the lobby, but when they're rolling him out and you see her reaction, you know, she's trying to get to him. They're holding her back. She's screaming. Um, that actually got to me because it was, I felt her pain and I was like, that's really sad because she did love him, you know, mm. and that was clear. You kind of, you know, there's a bit here when they come back together that you're like, well, maybe they can work things out or whatever. And they don't get the opportunity to do that. They don't even get the opportunity to explore that. So that's very, that's very sad. But like I said, I was relieved that they finally had the balls to do something like that. Right. I do love anytime the Dewey's on the, well, when Dewey shows up, you know, when he, when they go to his house and they're, and he's like, no, get away. And he, you know, slams the door in their face. Well, then he shows up and they play the Dewey music. <laughs> the, and I was like, that's the Dewey theme. And I, that 
I thought was really nice. There was, uh, I like the fact that they used Red Right Hand again. I thought that was a really nice use of that song. Right. Um, so there were a lot of nods to Scream in general that they did that I thought were really nice. Yeah, that song has to be there. And uh, yeah, that I was I was all about that. I'm like, oh, really nice. And that's I like that. I, I think they used it well. And so there were a lot of things like that that they did that I did really appreciate, you know. Um, and, but, yeah, it, it's sad that Dewey died. But then at the same time, I, I think it needed to be done. By his appearance, it almost seemed needed to be done. Now, I guess we'll get into this. So he's only 50 years old, but he looks definitely 60, 65 or whatever. Because I know 60-year-olds <clears throat> who look younger than him. Yeah, he's had a rough life. Yeah. Now, let's think about these things. So in Scream 4, he was 40, two years younger than me now. And in Scream 3, he was 29. Think about that. He was 30, 40, and 50, basically. Nev Campbell is 48. So she was 38 in Scream 4 and 28 or 27 in Scream 3. Think about that. She wasn't even 30 in Scream 3. And Courtney Cox is 57. She she looks it. There's a scene, at, well, when Nev Campbell shows up at the hospital and they hug, you get a close-up of Courtney Cox's hands. It's always the hands that give it away. Yeah, it? I mean, because you can have all the work done to your face that you want, but you cannot hide the hands. Like, you can't. It's just they look old. And I was like, ooh. You got to put a lot of lotion on those hands. She looks good. You know, I'm not saying she looks bad. She looks good. When they were hugging in the hospital, all I could think of is they both dye their hair. That's all I could think of. <laughs> nah, yeah. And, and I found out why Nev Campbell is the, the type of actress she is, because she's Canadian. That's why she's so boring. Uh, <laughs> I did notice that she seemed to drop the whole neck thing uh, that has... <laughs> people always yell at me because I point out her... Like her mannerisms, like especially in the first film, and and they carry over into the sequels too. But like where she's always grabbing her neck and and oh, yeah. she's always like making this face. And I, I don't know, it's part of the reason that she annoys me. She didn't do any of that in this movie, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, she. You said she's the same in everything she's in. She's the same girl in Party of Five as she is in. Spring. Oh yeah, she was. But <laughs> now I think she's more mature, and it doesn't see. Of course, they're also she wasn't in this movie that much, so that too she didn't get a chance to get into it <clears throat> but she is older and she's more mature but yeah back then she was the same in everything she made the same she made the same facial expressions she made she had the same mannerisms it was just the that's just who she was and um i didn't see that here so i, I think it's just a the, the maturity of her as an actor maybe and think of the age thing we get to take like we kind of are seeing life's journey here in these movies because even the progression, like Judy being a sheriff and all that stuff. Like, think of Dewey and who he was and how he was a sheriff in part four. And I was like, yeah, right. There was probably like 48 people ahead of him that could have been sheriff besides him. But okay. Yeah, sure. He's the sheriff. So think of that, though. He's retired. We saw this guy when he was Deputy Dewey, a total buffoon. At 25 years old. Right. And his sister's in high school. We've seen an entire journey of a life. He goes from that buffoon to meeting Gail to becoming sheriff to B 
being a broken down, seemingly old man in a trailer with gray hair, gray beard. He has no sense of humor anymore. He, and then again, I guess he was never, he, was, he wasn't a comic relief much in the words he said, I guess. It was more like, like what he was or, yeah. or I guess how he acted or something. But he didn't have any of that here. That whole tone's gone. The humor of Judy's gone. And then, so, but you see him and now he's done. Like, just think all that and it's already over with. He's done. He doesn't even go to work anymore. And somebody else is the sheriff and life goes on and he hasn't been a part of any of it. He's just been sulking in a trailer because of what happened with Gail and just drinking all the time. Like we've seen the complete journey of a life and from there you just die. You know, like it's funny, like what we work for and what we progress to and what it all really means in the end. Nothing. One day I'm just going to retire and then maybe in seven years you're going to hear I died and that was it. Yeah. No, I uh, I actually say that all the time. You know, ultimately, things we do in our life ultimately don't matter. You know, because we're going to die. The people we affect are also going to die. Right. You know, eventually it's just going to it's just going to keep going. And, and like an overall look at the human race, it, when you get to the very end of things, it just really doesn't matter. Yeah, and then you're going to have the people who do things like come up with cures for diseases or whatever. But then, I, I mean... The people they cured will die of something else. Exactly. That's my point. That's exactly my point. If someone were to come up with the definitive cure for cancer today, anyone they saved is eventually going to die anyway. In a car accident or something. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, like in our case, like Brian and I, we don't have kids. So there's not even anything like I'll even think about it. Like I'll look around at our like at our collection of stuff and we have a we have a lot. It's so sad to think about like the stuff that means so much to us. Right. Is just going to in the end is going to be shoveled into like a big roll away dumpster when they clean out the house after we both die. And then it's going to mean nothing. On one hand, that's depressing, but then I remind myself, well, I'm going to be dead. I don't care. You know? That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah, and I feel the same way. I have things here that mean so much, and I took so much time to cultivate, and I love all these things, and yet they're going to be shoveled into the rollaway dumpster. Then I was thinking, well, I, I'll never know that. Yeah. Like, what's the difference? These important objects are only important to me, and when I die, what difference does it make what you thought about it or what you did with it? Right. As long as they were here when I'm here. Yep, doesn't matter. Yeah. That's depressing, but it's just the reality of it. Or at least that's how I see it. Now, obviously, it's going to be different for people who have kids and things, you know, that people that they can pass things on to, you know, right. but. Yeah, people are like, gee, I'm so glad you guys got back together, you depressing fucks. <laughs> 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 Gee, this is such a great show. No, no, what we're talking about is the journey of life. And, and you listen, you're watching movies where people are dying every minute. I mean, you, somebody has to eventually talk about this crap. So let's talk about another good thing. Ghostface was finally scary again. Like, I felt he was a real threat. Obviously, killing Dewey cemented that. And Roger Jackson was great. Oh, he was fantastic. Probably one of his best. I love in the beginning, in the opening scene, when she first starts talking to him, he drops the voice, um, you know, because usually you're like, hello, Sydney. Like, you you know, you know that voice. And but he he's talking like a normal person when he's talking to her. But you can still hear certain words that he says, the inflection, the tone. Occasionally, 
you can pick up that it's Roger Jackson and she's actually talking to Ghostface. Um, and I really like that, you know. And then he kind of moves into the the Ghostface mode and... Yeah, she says you like movies. Yeah, who doesn't like movies? And uh, it's it's kind of seamless, you know. It, he did really, really good job. Just all the way out, all the way through, I was really impressed with what he brought to it. Oh, I'm so glad. I wonder what he charges at this point. <laughs> I wonder if he's like, listen, I ain't getting any younger and uh, you want this voice intact. I want triple what I made on screen. Well, I would imagine that they would have to give him whatever he wanted because it it means so much to Scream fans to have that voice. And you could, I guess, fake it, but... You can. Like, there are people who fake that movie, the trailer guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. But to me, I think it, it is so much more meaningful to have that continuity. And I feel like, you know, he has to know that. So I'm sure he makes pretty good money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, I think, as always... They were actually on the phone talking to each other. Like, that that's how they do that. And that's nice, too. Yeah. So, uh, I did like all the references to Jason and Michael. Usually, it's a total eye roller. Uh, mostly, I think it's an eye roller when it seems totally forced or when they have objects of these people. Like in uh, the Chucky movie. I forgot which one. But, like, oh, a Bride of Chucky when there's, like, the... Oh, the police locker when they have, like, the Michael mask and the Freddy glove and the Jason mask and, yeah. I'm like, give me a break. But just saying it and talking about them as they were movies, I'm okay with that. And they they did it in a good way. I almost felt that Kirby stuff felt a little more heavy-handed than this did. Like, even him asking her about who played Leatherface and her saying Gunnar Hansen, it's almost an eye-roller to me for for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, here... I like how they just peppered humor throughout it. Like, oh, yeah, because, you know, Michael Myers, blah, blah, blah. Or, or like, even when they say, because you can't have a blah, blah without Jamie Lee. Like, even talking about it that way, that was okay to me. Psycho was okay to me. I like the shower, the shower nozzle. Yeah, but it wasn't, sh- I thought they were going to shoot it as well as they did it in the 60s. What, they can't even do that? <laughs> like, Jesus. Can't you get it the way they had it there? I mean, that's like if I did it. <laughs> I actually had fun when he was asking her the trivia questions about stab. I got all I got all those right. Oh yeah, I got that right because I was like, it's Heather Graham. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm over there going Heather Graham, Heather Graham. But that's exactly the same feeling I got when I was watching the very first Scream, and he's asking her the questions, and he's like, you know, who was the killer in Friday the Thirteenth? And she's like, Jason. And I'm like, no, you idiot. Like. <laughs> Now, did you immediately catch it when she got it wrong and said Billy Loomis only? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because, and I was like, unless they're doing something that they're going to pull out something that I'm not expecting that can't be right, because we all know there were two. So I, I was, yeah, I expected her, to, I expected that to be wrong. Speaking of the de-aged Billy Loomis, um, he didn't have much of an impact on Sarah or Sam. What's her name? Sam? Sam Carpenter, which they kept having to throw in your face 50,000 times. Carpenter, my name's Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Say, yeah, no, we got it. (laughs) Oh, here's a question. How did you feel when he stabbed Sydney? Or she stabbed Sydney? I didn't believe she was going to die still. Because didn't the cousin stab Sydney too? In part four? So... And then even then, when we were watching it, me and 
the the two girls obviously I went with to see the movie with my wife and cousin uh, her cousin she she goes um gee that's weird I don't I don't recall that's all she did to her so no wonder why Sydney didn't die if you were the that girl in part four the cousin who was trying to be the new Sydney wouldn't you have like stabbed her in the throat or something to make sure this bitch is dead or shoot her or something like it's weird that she only stabbed Sydney once in the stomach and that was it yeah so that was weird. In this one, it was funny because, you know, she got stabbed. And, yeah, they'd already taken out Dewey. I didn't expect him to do anything more. I, You know, I, I figure one big one big character per film, that's all I can ask, you know. But at the same time, when they stabbed her, I was over there going, kill her, kill her. <laughs> and, and Brian looked at me like, damn. And I'm like, I just, kill her. <laughs> it's funny because it's... It's nice to see the familiar face of of Sydney, but at the same time, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't care if she died. I'd be like, yeah, good. That's what you should yeah, do. I mean, like again, like just have the balls, take them out. You know, I would have been totally fine if they took out all three of them. Right. No one does this. You don't last all these movies. I think what they're going to do is, I think it's obvious. If this is a trilogy, Gail's going next, and then Sydney's going last. That would make sense. Just like Halloween, the mom died in the last one, and then Jamie Lee Curtis is going to die in the last one, and then just that girl is going to survive. And that, you know, that would, that would make sense, you know? And honestly, I'd be okay with that, because I really don't see the Scream franchise going any farther than another trilogy, you know? Um, I, I just don't. What are you going to bring it back? Another and Oh, because when we were leaving the theater, I was just like, well, and Brian's like, well, were you surprised they didn't kill Sydney? I was like, well, no, I'm sure they're expecting her to do a Jamie Lee Curtis in another 20 years, you know, like, <laughs> like they'll just keep bringing it back. Oh, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maybe not. If they did take her out, I'd be okay with that. I know a lot of people would be upset. Why would you be upset? This has gone on for 25 years. Yeah, because people love that character. But I don't love that character, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> right. Most characters don't. It doesn't even matter. People love Alice. People love this, that, the other one. It doesn't matter. Once They, they love Ginny. is the greatest final girl ever. But guess what? Once she was done, she was done. Like, I didn't think about it anymore. I'm not like, gee, this is bullshit that they didn't put Ginny in part seven. Well, they do have something with this franchise that you don't usually get. Uh, now, Andy Barkley did it. Right. But you don't, but he wasn't in every movie. You know, he did come back, but he wasn't in every movie. This franchise does have these three central characters who have been in every single movie. And that's kind of their, and unfortunately, until Wes passed away, they had the same director. Not unfortunately. I mean, it's unfortunate that he passed away. But, but Right. And Kevin Williamson didn't write this one, right? No, it actually had the credit, you know, based on characters created by. Right. Um, although I did notice they were watching Dawson. She was watching Dawson's Creek in the hospital. I thought that was funny. Which he wrote. Why didn't he write it? And could do you think it, it is the reason that they gave up by the third act and just retread what people are familiar with? Uh, I probably think that they did that because that's what people expect from this 
franchise. And I think this was all about, and they even said it numerous times in the film, this film was all about making the fans happy. Like, pleasing the fans. And if you're going to please the fans, what do the fans want to see? They want to see more of what they love. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that's exactly why. No, listen, I'm the first person to say, why can't we have a new Friday 13th in the Pakenag Lodge? Why don't they rebuild the Pakenag Lodge and have Ginny come back and Paul come back and whoever come back and they all come back for whatever reason, you know, the old survivor thing that they're always going to do. Why don't they do something like that? You know, like I, I'm okay with going back to that house. Um, but where I think it falls apart, which I even thought this right away, not just my reviewer mentality, was the girl says the, the way she got involved with this is that they moved into this house and then when she knew that that's what it was, she became obsessed. That's it? Your, you, your parents randomly moved into this house and that brought you from point a to to where we are to z to to doing this yeah i can understand it making you interested in it and i can understand it even making you uh you know dig into things and maybe even become obsessed with the history of it but i don't think that's going to turn you into a killer right that is such a wild stretch and they're killing because of toxic fandom and people and the way they react to these movies and everything that's why they're gonna kill people like I I can't even imagine that that would be the trigger. It's just the weirdest motivation. I almost feel like part three's motivation was better than this. Yeah, as far-fetched as it was, at least it was somewhat believable and, you know, oh, that makes sense. Like, he does actually have, you know, Scream 2. You had... He wanted to, you know, go to trial and use the the excuse of movies or whatever. Uh, lame, but it, I guess, was timely back then. Hers was, Debbie Saltz was just good old-fashioned revenge. You know, that makes sense. You know, people do kill for revenge. But then it's just the, the, the motive. And then, of course, um, uh, Roman's motivation in three, we've said that, you know, that's really convoluted and... And really far-fetched, but okay, I, I, it's basically still revenge. You know, he's pissed off. Right. And so he takes it out on Sydney. Okay, I'll go with that. Four. It's a different angle. She wants to, she was always so sick of hearing about Sydney this, Sydney that. Yeah, and then you, well, you've got the other kid. Uh, he was all about fame again, I guess. I mean, so in this one, what exactly was the motivation for Richie? I don't even understand. Toxic fandom. I don't know. But, and I don't understand how this is supposed to fix that, you know? Because now we're going to make a new movie that will fix it all. Yeah. That, that. Like, which is what Scream... I guess they're kind of talking about Scream 4 and then saying that Scream 5 will fix it all. I, I don't know how self-referential they were being. I couldn't tell. I did think it was funny that they were talking about... Uh, they were talking about the Stab franchise and they said it went off the rails in the fifth At one. five? Yeah, <laughs> and I was, was like, fun. oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Although I don't think this one went off the rails. I think it was very much on the rails. It was, you know... It was, to me, the, the motivations just seem kind of, uh, of weak to me, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna, I moved into this house, I found out, I found out about this house, and then I became obsessed, and then I met this guy on the Stab subreddit that, I mean, 
and then we decided to band together and like it just what like <laughs> like I don't know it's it's a little it's a little I don't think it's solid you know because even Billy had a solid reason his mother had a solid reason Roman had a solid reason in four I guess I can kind of see that but here I just don't feel like the reason is solid enough you know that they don't have neither of them had a personal stake with the characters that they were killing as far as like she was friends with those those characters but she had no reason to hate those characters she had no reason to want to take them out you know whereas billy had his reasons roman had his i mean not for all the people they killed but there all seemed to be anybody who's around sydney is gonna freaking die because somebody else has a problem with her but this one it didn't I just don't feel like there was a stake there, like a personal involvement other than I'm just crazy. I don't know. I'm a crazy movie fan. So apparently um, when this girl, Tara, gets attacked, they take her to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, no, they really didn't. But it was just as empty as that. Oh, 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 I see. I see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I... um. Honestly, while I was watching it, I was thinking, okay, this is believable to an extent because I've spent a lot of time in hospitals overnight okay. with people who were in the hospital. And they turned down the lights. The 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 um But there's only one cop or no nurses. Well, and that's nothing. the thing is the activity gets, you know, the activity gets lower it, you know, it but only to an extent. Now, they said they'd move her to a private floor. That doesn't even make any sense. Like, what hospital isn't using all of their floors? You know, when it comes to the reveal, I think most people should should be disappointed in who the reveal was. Now, I think they were building to a couple things. And were you not thinking that one of them was the dad who was betrayed by the mother of these two girls when he found out Billy Loomis is who got the mom knocked up to give birth to Sam, um, and he just took off, didn't you think he was coming back for revenge or something? Like, didn't it sort of, or like the mom, like the mom can't be, uh, she's not, she's on a conference call or whatever they said, so she's not picking up. They didn't really utilize anything like that. They just went for the boyfriend and then a random part of the friends. Yeah, I, I did not think of that, but honestly that would have been that would have been nice and it would given them it would have given them a personal stake, which is exactly what what I was saying and I think I actually this seems so arbitrary and like they have no reason to kill these people specifically, you know. They they don't they don't have a problem. None of these people did anything to them. So honestly, if they had done something like you said, that would have been something been something like why you have to kill Stu's cousin in front of a bar you have to kill uh Wes because his mom is Judy who was on the scene in part four but like which by the way I didn't recognize him while I was watching the movie until I saw the credits but Stu's cousin is Kyle Gallner that Uh, that is the guy who played the emo kid in the nightmare remake um, oh really? He also was in Jennifer's Body, um, and various other things. He was kind of big around like 2010. He was in a lot of stuff. 
but I didn't even, I didn't, and I've actually seen him in a movie last year. He was in a, um, like a war, a horror, a war horror film. Um, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen him in a while. And he has aged quite a bit. I didn't even recognize him though in this movie. And then I saw the credits and I was like, oh, holy shit. I didn't even know that was him. I just thought that was kind of funny. The, okay. So let's just say the Judy kill was supposed to be big. I don't care. I didn't like her, but did you think it was weird that the son never even saw his mom's body? I might've missed something, but I know he goes to the front door and I know it closes or something. And then this guy is behind him. Now, am I wrong? He did not see his dead mom laying on the, in the front of the house. No, no, I don't believe so. And there was a scene where he comes downstairs after taking a shower and he passes by the windows and something gives him pause and he looks again and i thought he was going to have seen her car sitting out there with the door open because when she got to the house she just parked in front of the house left the door open and went running uh so i was like oh he's gonna notice that and then open the door and then see her and none of that happened and i was like oh okay so you know what else didn't happen what she calls for a bunch of cops to show up at her house and nobody ever goes there like literally she has time to get there first then get killed in the broad daylight in front of her house. Then the son has time to get dressed, puts around downstairs, look for food, this or that and the other thing, walk around the house, and still no cops. Then he has time to get killed very slowly and painfully. Then they come up. The, the, the cops are like, how far does she live from where any of them are patrolling or the, the station itself? Yeah, I thought about that, and I actually thought about the, this is kind of odd, but I was like, somebody in that neighborhood has a ring camera that is catching all of this right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and oddly, something they didn't even play with, which would have been cool for them to play with, because that is uh, a very common thing. So many people have been caught these days because of ring cameras, and pretty much everyone has them. I thought that would have been a fun piece of technology for them to play with, and they didn't. So, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, you would think that because they always do the modern thing. So, yeah, yeah. Good movie. I guess. How do you rank this? Uh, Honestly, for me, it is right up there with Scream Two. I think it is a one of the better sequels. I, I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed the brutality that stuck out to me a lot and overall I did enjoy my time with it I wasn't bored I wasn't you know I was totally in it um, but then like I said when we got to the end I was just like oh uh, you know because we've done this you know and you why haven't you learned from and you said you said that you know why haven't you learned from the killers before that yeah that you're doing the same shit that will make you get killed right you know so and I'm kind of over the meta thing, but again, that's just the Scream franchise. That's what they do. You can't get away from that. They actually, I remember, said that they weren't going to do that in this movie. Well, they fucking think, lied. Right. <laughs> I think there was an outcry or some backlash or something. Kind of like when they said the Ninja Turtles were going to be space aliens in the oh, reboot yeah. of that. Yeah, so I think that's what happened. And then they said, okay, put it back in. So, yeah, this was going to be a straight horror movie without all that, but... I guess at this point, it's not Scream without it. So now you've got to keep trying to be more and more intelligent. So good luck. Um, without Kevin Williamson, I think you did okay. There were a few 
things, I think. And it, it probably might be because Kevin Williamson's not there. But um, yeah, as far as like a popcorn flick, we had a good time at the theater. Yeah, but again, you know, I still did enjoy it. And, you know, honestly, what they have been good at in the past is recognizing current trends. So, you know, they did in Scream 2, they talked about sequels and how the sequel, you know, they had that whole conversation about sequels not being better than the original and naming some sequels that were better than the original, so they recognized that. In 4, they did the whole remake thing because that was a popular trend at the time and now they're doing this requel thing and that is a popular trend now you know and so they have always been good at recognizing those things and you know if you're gonna do it then that's a good way to do it so the unfortunate thing about that is I just don't feel like even though the what they're recognizing might be fresh and different you know, the way that they go about it is very much the same. Well, that's what Aaron West said. He said, they made a film about the issues with Hollywood films these days while creating a story that plays out like a Hollywood film. I get the meta of all of it, and it was a lot of fun, but still, they fell into the same trappings despite being self-aware of it. Uh, Yeah, and maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the thing, is that Hollywood keeps stumbling over itself it keeps falling into its own traps so they kind of did too it would have been nice to see them break away from that and do something a little different just just to break away from that but then again the scream fans are ravenous and they are voracious and they like what they like and if you try to change it too much then they it wouldn't fly so You know, you kind of have to walk a balancing, uh, like a tightrope with it. Yeah. And it got me back into the Scream movies. I definitely had fun watching them again. I'll try to get my hands on part two. I don't know why. I don't own that. And it almost makes me want to watch the show where they actually have the real mask. Not that stupid first MTV one, but the the other show. Where it's like a Netflix show or something. It makes me kind of want to watch that. So, yeah, it did its job in that way. Um... I do think it's cool to be back in the house, whether they recreated it or if it's just whatever. That was really good, and I felt like I was really in the real house from part one. And I guess that's different. Um, I just wish that the kitchen scene didn't play out so closely because we already got it in part four. I think that it would have been nice if they were going to do that. I like that they did it uh, as far as going back to Stu's house. But that, I think, would have been a nice way to end the series. Yeah. You know, uh, just nice little bookends. Um, but now knowing that there are going to be more, that seems kind of weird to me. <laughs> so, yeah, like, well, where are you going to take yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, well, good time. I, I rank this one, four, five, two, three. Uh, wow, I didn't realize two was that low for you. It's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't like it as much i get it yeah for me it would go one two five four three now i would like to rewatch four again and that might even bump it up higher uh bump four up higher but there are certain things that will never change one will always be one One, and and three will always be last (laughs) 
unless they muck up the next ones really bad, <laughs> you know, I, I don't see them doing that. But uh, one, I don't think anything will ever top the first one only because uh, along with it being a fun, clever film that was, you know, high energy and it did what it did. You know, it has, uh, it has the, the legacy of reinvigorating uh, a subgenre that had pretty much gone away. It, it always has that. And so it'll always stand higher because of what it did, you know, because of the legacy that it left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. It, it's a that was a game changer. Yeah, it really, it really was. Yeah, everybody thought Cabin in the Woods was going to be a game changer, and it did nothing. Like this was a real game changer. So that was that's good. Uh, so that's it, uh, Jamie. Obviously, I'm alone here, so maybe some people. I mentioned it, but maybe some people don't remember or whatever where you are. So tell them where they could find you. Well, uh, you can find me on Horror in the House of Salmons, which is available on pretty much any way that you listen to podcasts. You know, if you, uh, it's also on Anchor. Yeah, we release shows twice a month. And we also have a Patreon where we release shows there too, like shows that don't fit. But on our main show, uh, Brian and I have taken ABCs of Hidden Horror and squished it together with Attack of the Colossal Collection. So it's one long show where we talk about alphabetical movies in the first part. And then we have introduced a new segment with, when we brought it back, called Bumps in the Night, where it's just general discussion about whatever. The last part of the show is us continuing our journey through our collection, which is taking forever. Yeah, so when Jamie is 67... And she, her cats give birth, and and they are eighteen of them. She might be done. <laughs> oh no, fifty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> fifty-seven. But I think you'll actually wait to take till sixty-seven to get through. Yeah, because the rate, the rate it's going, and and we're not slacking. We're not, but it's just it's taking forever. We're still talking about the bees. We've been doing this for years, and we're still talking about bee movies. So. <laughs> Holy crap. And we do about 15 to 20 movies per episode. Just short form, you know, quick reviews uh, of each one. Almost like uh, almost like the days of... Um, Devour? Devour, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember? We plow through retrospectives. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, we retired in 17, right? Yeah, in October 2017. Then we did the return to do Halloween in 18. Then we did the return to do... The three, um, three from hell, in nineteen. Yeah, and then we did that October special. That October special in twenty twenty, and that was it. And so, yeah, it's been really nice to come back and talk a lot of trash about a movie I really did like (laughs) (laughs) with you. (laughs) It's just like old times. It was a great time. It was fun exploring it. Fun having a laugh at most of it. Um, and that's all, it's a dumb horror movie. It's all it is. Fun, good stuff. Yeah, it's not elevated horror. Um, I do want to thank you for inviting me to do this with you because it was really fun. And also, I just want to let you know, I am loving what you're putting out. And I think you're doing a fantastic job. I know that going into it, you were like, oh, like, uh, should I, you know, 
is this going to work or whatever? No, I think it, I think it works very well. And I think that you do, you're doing great. And I love listening to it. And all it does though, I listen to it and it makes me miss it. So then doing this came at the right time. Yeah, it's definitely like, well, gee, maybe the skeleton crew worked because it was the best cast. And we even got lucky when it was the interchangeable thing. And then, then Dan came back and all that. So it was we were just really lucky to have <clears throat> a good, strong cast. And I was definitely worried. And I might not be living up to the skeleton crew. And that's not really exactly the goal. It's just basically to still do something and to um, have at least my end of the vibe in there, I guess. you know. And um, <clears throat> Well, which is important. Like that. The, the one constant that was throughout the entirety of the skeleton crew was you uh not only your personality but also your production and that's still there so you know that that's a good thing that's a definitely a good thing and honestly when i listen to you i don't feel like anything's missing i think you do oh thanks you do you and you is good so (laughs) nothing wrong with that yeah yeah just something to do like you said none of this matters so basically all you're doing is Having a good time, and that's... Until we die. Yeah, until I die. And on that happy note... (laughs) Bye, guys! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Yes, thank you for coming on, and um, you're doing a great job. So is Dave Z. Like, I've been listening to these shows, and, you know, my rides to work and everything, and even at work because there's times we're just hanging out in the truck and I'll just put them on and Brian <clears throat> and you are great you obviously have good chemistry that's why you're still married so uh, yeah next show will be an in between so type of deal and um, then we'll talk about the future uh, when it comes to scheduling with this podcast alright see you later guys uh, and remember your mom was flashing her shit all over town and she's no Sharon Stone See you later.